LeBron James has made me not want to watch close contested games. And yes, that's the way I'm going to start this podcast. Because it's been a joyful day. Yet, the entire Game 7 between the Toronto Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers, I was nervous, anxious, couldn't watch half of it live. Pretty much walked out of my house for the entire fourth quarter and walked around in circles around my neighborhood. Because LeBron James has tormented me beyond belief. I- so what you're saying is you, you've got a little bit of... PTSD, some PTS, some PTLD, some post-traumatic LeBron syndrome. <laughs> yeah, uh, it started last year, really. Um, yeah, it started last year. I can't explain it. Um, game one, I couldn't watch it, and then they ended up blowing, getting blown out in the fourth quarter. They like, I mean, not blown out, but they like literally lost it last quarter of the game, and uh, that's where this buildup of uh, Raptors failures has really um, struck me really hard. So, I was literally, literally walking on my neighborhood until the last 30 seconds of the game where a Butler tied it and uh, Kawhi Leonard hit that shot and my wife and my daughter were celebrating. My daughter didn't really understand what's going on because she just kept trying to like, call me on her little toy phone and like try to like come to me. So, she was really happy that I was happy. But... um. I think Kawhi Leonard might have broken my anxiety or PTLD. That you is that right? Is that the right way you right way you said it? Oh, I think I think I think I butchered it. So we can we can go with PTLD. And I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. It's playoff Kawhi. There's I don't know if there's a better person in the modern day NBA to have in the playoffs than Kawhi. And going from the Raptors in the last two years and having those unfortunate. Uh, letdowns, especially against those LeBron-led teams, to transitioning to having a guy like Kawhi who can just put the team on his back and uh, make a shot that hits the rim and bounces around four times just to win the series. It's got to feel good. It's got to feel weird. It's like uh, it's how I would picture the Lions just not sucking. Like it's like this euphoric moment where you're just so used to like the the letdown that when it finally comes through, you're just like in this pure moment of ecstasy and bliss and gives you that butterflies. Um, yeah, so you know what, you know how I feel, right? Like, pretty much. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Um, this is like, I never experienced something like this, right? So, especially when it comes into the basketball world. So, the football world, Rams finally played well. So, the um, game-winning field goal was awesome, too. I celebrated like crazy for that. That was a great experience. But as a fan, I tend to root for teams that don't win. I mean, the only team I do root for is Canadians who won in the past but haven't won anything in the last 20 years. So these winning experiences are, are it's it's a new feeling that I've never really, like, accepted. But I'm starting to accept it now. Uh, I can't explain it. Mean, I barely slept. I barely, barely slept. And... Um, because of that win, I pretty much ignored Game of Thrones <laughs> until the morning. Because <laughs> I had a feeling it was going to be a really bad episode. Um, we'll go into that after later. We're just going to do a little basketball. But um, as disappointed as I am with Game of Thrones, 
I can say the Knicks are more disappointed that they didn't get the first pick overall. Um, by the way, this is Tuesday, May 14th. Um, we're going to do a little coverage of um, round two, uh, recap of round two, and talk a little about the draft before uh, Eric and I go in on uh, Game of Thrones episode five, the bells or bells ringing or whatever it's called. Um, so yeah, Knicks found a way to be the Knicks. Lakers got in but didn't get the f- top three pick. And the Grizzlies and Pelicans, those two teams that no one thought would win the draft or be the top two teams in the draft order, they got it. Um, I actually called it. I actually called it. Sorry, I just thinking about like how I actually called them. So like, there's reports coming out that if Knicks got the first pick overall, they would trade that first pick overall to the Pelicans for Anthony Davis. And I said, wouldn't it be funny if the Pelicans actually won the draft? And Zion and AD get teamed up, and Pelicans don't need to give up AD for Zion, and it happened. So that's pretty funny. Like it's kind of a semi call, but like I felt pretty confident with it. Yeah, it's uh, it gives intrigue to that New Orleans situation. I mean, it seemed like they played the season out with the intention of shipping Davis out somewhere. Uh, so that I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like the relationship's too broken to keep going. So. That that pair is, I feel like having a power forward center like Anthony Davis is like as good of a situation Zion can come on to because he can kind of, A, learn like learn the spacing from a guy who's so accomplished at it from Davis, but also that could just frees him up to play literally any position in the backcourt, frontcourt, whatever. So, yeah, I, I always prefer small markets getting winning the lottery over big markets. I mean, I, it's always fun to root against the Lakers and Knicks. So happy that we we get to see Pelicans. We get to see Memphis. And I'm, I'm excited because I like Memphis because that's where Jaron Jackson Jr. went. Yeah. And uh, seeing them add a, a big piece, it's, it's always fun seeing a couple young stars mesh together and play together and see what happens. Like we saw the Kings make a fun run towards the end of this year. Uh, Denver's got some fun young guys working together. Uh, so it's I always prefer that over these aging teams with kind of win now mindsets needing a key piece like the like the uh, Lakers and uh, kind of losing out a little bit on that draw. Yeah, so uh, let's just stick with the Knicks for a second. Uh, did you watch uh, Stephen A. Smith's uh, little um, Twitter video or whatever the Instagram video? Like he was like, it's like a horror movie where it's like all black and you just see his head, and he's like, the Knicks did it again. The Knicks screwed it. They made us believe. <laughs> and I'm just laughing. I'm like, I'm like, where are you? This looks creepy as hell. This looks like something I could watch in like um, the dark web. <laughs> and I no, I didn't catch it, but it's very much a, a a thing Stephen A. Smith would do to criticize the Knicks over something they had zero control. Over. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so yeah, that was great. Uh, so many memes, like Game of Thrones memes about like the Daenerys burning down the city, like Nick fans right now, or that kid crying when he got Przingis, and he's cr- like they're showing him right now. Um, let's just go to Lakers, man. Pelicans f- screw over the Lakers again. It is hilarious. Um, yeah, so like it's hilarious because. One, they screw over the they screw over the Lakers on the trade deadline by pretty much combusting the entire team because the entire team was announced to be dealt for Anthony Davis and nothing came out of it. Now Duchamp's like lost his job for it, which is fine, uh, but I guess he really wanted to stick it to the Lakers. Not only that, um, David Griffin, who was supposed to sign with the Lakers as a as a general manager, 
ends up going to Pelicans because I think Pelicans is a better option than Lakers, so just surprising as hell. Um, I, mean, I don't know, man. I would rather live in L.A. and live in the L.A. market, you know, sunny California. That's just me, but he went to the Pelicans. And then they're both in the top four, and the Pelicans beat him out <laughs> get the number one pick. And Lakers don't even get top three. See, if the Lakers got top three, it would have been beneficial to them because at least then maybe they could still trade for Davis because they go to the, they go to the Pelicans and tell them, listen, you had Zion and RJ, like like in Duke, so they get to play together again. You com- combine that, we'll give you ball, we'll give you whatever pieces you want beyond that, and you could build up a good team. Give us Davis. Uh, nope. Nope, <laughs> Lakers get fourth. Like, how's Lakers gonna offer Colliver, <laughs> Kuzma, <laughs> and Ball and uh, Ingram? Like, I don't think it's gonna be enough. Like, Pelicans, maybe Griffin will do it, but I don't think so, man. I, I just, if they got top three, it would have been more enticing. And then the Grizzlies get John Morant, pretty much, or RJ Barrett. I don't know who they're gonna pick. Like, who do you think they're gonna pick at number two, John Morant or RJ Barrett? If I'm if I'm a GM, I I rather take a chance on Ja just because he's flashed more potential. It's hard to say since RJ was playing on a much more talented team, but Ja Morant, the way he passes the ball is is as exciting as anybody who's come out of college in the last like five years probably. So uh, he seems like a one kind of a one of a kind point guard that is less likely to bust, I feel like, than R.J. Barrett, because it seemed like R.J. Barrett struggled at times with uh, showing up in the moment. Like, he had a really rough stat line in the close games in the end of the second half. So I'd rather uh, I'd rather go with John Moran at number two. Okay, I'm going to say something that might be blasphemy, blasphemous, but I just did Stephen A. Smith right there. Um, Krzyzewski's not a good drop play kind of coach like he pretty much said like you do your thing rj in the late, late games and are just like okay <laughs> let's just chuck up some shots uh i think shashevsky is very uh stingy with his game plan and he just sticks with it no matter what and i think he's a great coach but he's not like an adjusted adjustive coach like he doesn't make adjustments properly if that's a question of the word i just kind of made up so I don't blame that on RJ because, I mean, before the draft started, RJ was projected number one, you know, before the season NCAA tournament started. And we all thought it was RJ and Zion, and Jaws just came out of nowhere. Jaws was the real deal too, right? I mean, I, I, I yeah, it's hard to say. Do the Grizzlies, the question I have is, do the Grizzlies believe that uh, DeLon Wright's a point guard of the future? Mm-hmm. And if they really strongly believe DeLon Wright is a point guard of the future, um, will they go RJ Barrett? as wing depth because they're obviously weak at the wing as well and if you think about it even if you go with rj you go have val you get triple j you had delon Wright. that's a pretty strong four-man core that you can go you can make the playoffs in a couple years with that lineup but if you really want to if you don't trust delon Wright, you want to play him at the two guard you want to have two ball handlers with john morant that could work too right because delon Wright's like six four so mm-hmm. i mean it works either way grizzlies are in a really good spot at least we could both agree that Whoever they pick between John Morant and RJ Barrett will be better than the last number two pick they picked. Was that was a shame to bit? Yikes! Dang, throwback. Let's go. Yo, by the way, I want to say that uh, I completely got uh, the game six between Philly and Toronto wrong. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> oh, I, uh, the series is really... done. It's over. Yeah, We're gonna go in. I was. 
really worried when we did this post-mortem that you uh, you set the jinx really hard by saying the series was over, then they kind of get steamrolled, and you had that close game seven. I'm like, oh, he's begging for it. He's begging for it, but they pulled it out. Yo, okay, can I tell you the reason why I stopped watching the game at a certain point, too? Is that every time I, I got into my living room television, I started watching it, Philadelphia going on like a 16-0 run. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm the curse. I don't believe in it, but right at that moment, I believed it. I'm like, I'm a curse. I'm the curse. Dude, I get so superstitious watching games. If, like, I'm sitting a certain way, even if, like, my leg's falling asleep, I'm going to keep sitting that way if my team's <laughs> doing well. It's it's so silly. Yeah, I'm, I'm a weirdo, right? Like, my, my wife thinks I'm weird. I'm just a regular fan, to be honest with you. But, you know, as a people who don't really watch sports all the time, you live with them, they think you're weird. So, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe that the Raptors won. Um, literally, uh, we could just do like a second round preview after because we have so much to cover in such little ground. But mm-hmm. if I want to do a little preview, the Raptors need to start, all the rest of the players need to start showing up and it can't be not, cannot be the Kawhi Leonard show. Milwaukee yep. is too deep. I know Milwaukee hasn't been as tested as the Raptors have. That's why I still think the Raptors could win this series. I might be the only person, but I'm also a homer somewhat, so like take it as a grain of salt. But I think Raptors could win this in six. If it goes in five or seven, they might be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the other players show up like they can, um, they could win the series. Plus, they match up pretty well with the Bucks. Uh, it's unstoppable. It's impossible to stop Giannis. Completely impossible. Um, I think as a defensive strategy, just let Giannis do his thing and pretty much cover everybody else. Because Giannis yeah. going scoring two all the time is not as bad as Giannis scoring other player Bledsoe and Middleton and Lopez and Miritich scoring three pointers. Mm-hmm. So, I I did read a pretty cool Zach Lowe stat that uh, during the season when they were tracking Kawhi Leonard guarding Giannis, Giannis had his lowest shot percentage attempts of any other player guarding him. Uh, it, it makes sense. Kawhi is one of the best defenders in the league, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that's just kind of a cool, cool thing that we're going to be able to see. Not all the time, obviously, because Kawhi can't can't match up all the time. But it's uh, if if there is such thing as a Giannis stopper, I feel like Kawhi might be the closest to that in the league. Yeah, that's why the rest of the team needs to show up because if he's putting all that effort on defensively guarding Giannis, the rest of the team needs to show up offensively. You can't ask him to do both. He's literally exactly. carried you past Game Seven. Like Siakam was nervous. Lowry made some great crucial plays, plays so I, I can't fault him on that. Abaka showed up, so I mean Lowry's never going to be a stat stuffer. I think we all realize at this playoffs he's not going to be the guys in stuff stats, but he makes game winning plays. And um, one thing I don't like about refereeing is. Whenever Siakam goes for a layup, he's so athletic that when he goes up, he gets hit a lot and he gets pushed down, and the refs never call anything against him. That mm-hmm. that, that steal when Lowry did, and that and he ended up passing on the fast break to uh, Siakam, and he got the layup, that should have been a foul, definitely. The refs were like, nope, we'll give him beat a tipkey tack call, though. Oh, I'm not going to talk about the refs now. <laughs> I don't want to disappoint myself. <laughs> get myself angry. Uh, so, yeah, that's that. Uh... Let's talk about the Rockets for a second. Yes, we. I think uh, I think we have to. We'll talk about the Rockets, then we'll do the Nuggets, and then we can do the Celtics. Even though I don't really care about the Celtics, but Celtics or Celtics, what are you gonna do? Rockets. If there's any year the Rockets could have won, beaten the Warriors, and advanced to the finals, I think it's safe to say it was this year. And I think it's safe to say that we can no longer say that the Rock- Houston Rockets would beat the Warriors if Chris Paul played. Enough with that garbage. You had that as an as a excuse last year. You bought it in this year. You had a terrible start. You finally pick it up. 
And then you have this golden opportunity to beat the Warriors. Now, everybody thought the Warriors were caca without Durant. Guess what? I didn't. I bet on them, and I won a lot of money, so I'm pretty happy. But the Warriors are not a joke. They've won a title without Durant. But if there's any chance for the Rockets to beat them, it would have been right now. They could have beat them in Game 5. They choked that away. Curry outplayed Durant, Harden. And then Game 6. Game 6. Curry is playing awful. First quarters, he's done nothing. Yet you're only up by four. You're only up yep. by four. Curry's going to go off eventually, right? He's like Giannis. He can't always stop him. He's going to go off. And he went off. And here here the Rocky, Rockets are out. And Harden's going to go after in the press game, press series conference and say, well, well, we know what to do. We'll do it in the summer. We'll figure it out. And we'll plan it all together. Dude, you had two years in a row to plan it out. You couldn't do it. Durant went down and got injured. Cousins, whatever added bonus he was to the Rockets, is not there. And you still lost. Their bench is not even that good like it was four years ago when they won the first time. Mm-hmm. For F6, man. Rockets are such a disappointment. Yeah, this is... And I, so It's game six was weird. Uh, I mean, Chris Paul played pretty fantastic the entire game. Harden had, like, a good stat line, but the weird thing about Harden is he got so passive in the third quarter and fourth quarter up until, like, five minutes left in the game, all the while Steph was starting to hit shots. And just, I, I just don't understand what he was doing. Like, he he let Eric Gordon miss shots. He let P.J. Tucker, which I guess he was the only other Rocket who had a decent semblance of a good game but he let austin rivers miss shots just if you're the mvp you've been taking these shots all series you've been taking these shots all year you can get to the basket pretty easily or you can hit your step back three why aren't you putting the game in your hands because he just he just disappeared in uh, end of the third quarter up until the probably five minutes left in the game just what are you doing you're playing well he shot like close to 50 percent, i think from the field I just don't get why you won't be more aggressive in that situation when Steph Curry's going off on the other end and you're just letting your teammates outside of Tucker and Paul just kind of brick brick the lead away and brick the game away. It seems, here's my, here's my theory. It seems that he didn't want to show up because Durant is no longer there. Maybe he lost as well. I think that's stupid that I even said that, but whatever. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm just saying hypothetically that could be like this, the strangest thing I could say about the whole situation. Number two is that maybe Houston should change their game plan and not have Harden make every play, every possession. Maybe they should rest him. Because either he's scared when it comes down to clutch time, which I don't want to say about an athlete because I'm not one, so I don't think he's scared. Maybe he's just exhausted. He does everything all the time. And Chris Paul this season has not really been helpful. right? They got Chris Paul because at least he could take the ball away from Harden and make some create some plays. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric Gordon didn't show up. He scored nine points. You need more from Eric Gordon. Gordon's your third biggest weapon. You know, P.J. Tucker, he's played great. I can't say anything about him, but Capella disappears. Yep. I mean, this this team has not... This is the year, man. I, there's no excuse. I just can't explain it. I mean, the the way the, the start of, of going downhill is when Tucker's wide open on a fast break for a three and he 
I don't know, he dribbles it and just pump fakes and dribbles it and gives it to Gerald Green, who forces up a weird shot. Like, they have analytics that are they're really focused on key analytics and key, key, key position shots to get maximum value of your shot. But then like, Eric Gordon and Ger- Gerald Green do some weird-ass stuff sometimes. They just chuck up a shot. They go for a weird contested layup. It doesn't work out. And uh, you're thinking to yourself, D'Antoni, like, dude, like, coach it better, man. You have time in your hand. Like, I remember when they played the Raptors, like, Eric Gordon, like, took within eight seconds, took a shot that was not necessary, allowing the Raptors to come back and win the game. And, and you're, like, thinking to yourself, like, what is Eric Gordon doing? What is this yeah. nonsense? Well, that's that's the thing is you, we saw it last year in Game 7. We saw it this year in Game 7, 4, and 2. But when they rely so heavily on role players and bench players to hit threes and it just doesn't happen, it, their, their game plan looks terrible. Their offense looks stagnant. Harden kind of crawls into a ball. Paul, outside of Game 7, played like absolute dog shit all series. He was super tentative. He wasn't even d- distributing well. Wasn't playing great defense outside of some okay post play. So it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I hate to do this, but it just, I feel like you just got to ca- categorize them as losers. Like, you, I just don't see them making that extra step unless everything lines up and they just have people like Austin Rivers hit four threes in the first half. And you're like, okay, I guess we can work this if one game he shows up and then one game somebody else like Gerald Green shows up or one game Clint Capella has a six for nine game. And this is like, I don't know if, if you're relying on like the stars to align just to, just to be successful, then it's, it, that's not how you make the Western conference finals. It's just, it's just not. And if, uh, if your, your stars are passive, like Chris Paul was all series and James Harden became in the third and fourth quarter, then you're toasted. You can't can't beat the Warriors if you're going to be passive. Think about it this way. The Rockets gave up Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, a couple of draft picks for Chris Paul and if they had and Beverly by the way. And if they had all those pieces, they would have beaten the Warriors this this series. Just think about it. They gave a lot to get Chris Paul and Chris Paul is already aging before our eyes. Rockets are in deep trouble, man. They're in yeah, deep trouble. They're cap, cap maximized. <laughs> they're like, they're like an overflowing coffee, and you're driving on the road on the highway, and you hit a bump, and it spills all over you. You're you're screwed, man. Yeah, when you're paying uh, Chris Paul thirty five million dollars in two years, jeez, <laughs> and he's still playing like garbage. Because Chris Paul frustrates me so much. Because his I like his potential game is like one of the prettiest point guard games in the league. Yeah. But he's he's such such a pansy. He flops and he just doesn't he doesn't he gets passive and he doesn't play well and he seems like he lets his emotions or his the big moments get the best of him and he it's just it's just frustrating watching him play to definitely not to his ability and just play to like being he just tries to like let semantics take over, plays to the flopping and just just disgusting he's he's i don't know if there's a player or a star i dislike more than chris paul to be honest and that's saying a lot because harden's on his team and i don't like Harden either wow that's 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 some serious words right there buddy he's really i think it's pretty most hated player in the in the league yeah i think so i mean yeah he's kind of i can't think of it's kind of a dick though like the way he got curry off the court for not practicing like, that's kind of a dick. It's pretty cool, but kind of dick move too. You know what I mean? Like I think Chris Paul still lives in 2014, where he thought he beat the Warriors that year, and he's like, "Oh, better." <laughs> like, come on, man, no. 
This is the reason why you can't hate the Warriors. I mean, you can, of course. But this is the reason why I don't hate the Warriors. Because they sacrifice everything for the for the purpose of winning titles. And no matter how unfair it is, their star players don't care about deferring the ball to other players or making their team better and make, including their team in there. Sean Livingston, who's done only scored two points a game, scores 11 points in your ass and he dunks it on you guys. Like, Jarebko... Nice little piece. He fills in perfectly, and he outplays your your role players. I, I don't know what to say about the like. I I just don't know, man. Rockets have. I think what happened ideally was that series against the Spurs where they lost in Game Six without Kawhi Leonard, kind of ruined the Rockets going forward because they had a pretty good formula with Harden being the star and other players around him doing well, and uh, Harden gassed out, which. Result to, to Morty getting Chris Paul. If Rockets were found a way to get past Spurs, maybe maybe they could have kept that young core. Like ever since that deal happened, I really liked I really like Montez Harrell. I was like, that's a that's a player you should have never dealt. He would have been perfect for the Rockets. We got rid of him. Beverly Beverly plays with a like a heart of a lion. It means dirty too, like Paul. <laughs> but Paul Paul didn't show up until Game Six, and he cost him. Yep. Their yeah. defense is Bottom. too too low. Their hands are always too down. They give too much openings to uh, Thompson and Curry on those rolls, um, those catch and shoots. It just it's it's mind boggling. Thompson, like Curry, lets you up for twenty three points <laughs> in the fourth. You're screwed, dude. Oh, you're ass. Yeah, if, I think I think bottom line. If I'm a uh, Rockets fan, I am. Not excited whatsoever <laughs> by the future prospects of this team. It's like Toronto last year. Toronto, Toronto Raptors fans did not know what to do last year, last after last playoffs. We got swept again by LeBron. You don't know what to do going forward. Like, are you gonna keep the score? Like, something has to change. Mm-hmm. Something has to change in Houston. Either they start playing more team basketball, or they add another player and get rid of some pieces. Don't know what else to say. It's up to them because Warriors might not be as strong as they were are are currently because Durant might leave them. And there's an opening in the West again, but maybe you just run this thing again. <laughs> I don't know. But as a fan, as as fans, we should not give them that much credit, especially being the Warriors in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, I think that just about wraps up the Rockets. Rest in peace, RTC. Uh, your boys tried, just came up short again. Sorry, that's kind of their should be their motto. Mo. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, um, Nuggets tried really hard too. Oh man, that was a tough game. That was a tough game. They uh, another game where they just couldn't hit anything during like the second and third quarter. They had a pretty good lead going into the second quarter, and then they got cold. Got cold. Chalk it up to inexperience. Chalk it up to whatever you want. But uh, CJ CJ McCollum is a straight thug. <laughs> and <laughs> God, he's just so cold blooded. I mean, he. He carried that team all game. Damian didn't have a terrible game, but CJ McCollum was not going to miss out on the Western Conference Finals. So He did it for Jennifer. Yeah, he did it for Jennifer. Yeah, she is somewhere smiling cheekily. So I love how that has had like, a life of its own. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's just i uh, I'm trying, Jennifer. <laughs> it's just a, such a good meme. Uh, but uh, this, this, I mean, as a Nuggets fan, you can't be – can't be you can be upset but you can't be too disappointed i mean i think the nuggets shocked everybody with how well they played in the regular season think about this and then way. they beat it a- sorry 
continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, I mean, they beat, it's always, it's always tough beating the Spurs in the playoffs. So you got to hold your head high on that. And then uh, going to game seven, I thought they would have beat, beat the, uh, beat the Blazers, but Blazers are playing the Warriors close right now. So maybe the Blazers have got something to prove. So uh, hold your head high. Your future is bright. You got some young pieces that uh, keep on getting better. So future is definitely bright. unlike the Rockets. <laughs> Ouch. Um, yeah. Jamal Murray, I told you he's a G's best game player in, in the NBA. He has a motor unlike Wiggins, and he's just so great. Like, he's he's just so grindy, you know what I mean? He, he's been playing with the hurt ha- ha- hamstring, and he's still out there balling like a champ. Jokic is, is like, the greatest thing ever to dads because he has a dad bod, and he's, like, out there just schooling people and playing like a tank. Millsap could, could have been better, but Millsap's getting older too, right? Like can't expect much but i think here's here's the thing for the for nuggets fans maybe the one nugget fan who ever listens to our podcast uh malik beasley morris and porter jr michael porter jr is it michael porter jr or is it michael porter yeah okay michael porter jr michael porter jr can be like that big draft accusation that you had like last year could be this year like he could be the Ben, not Ben Simmons, but like he could be an impact impact player. Like he has length, he has skill. Can he can he convert it onto the basketball court? Like what we'll to see? But that's a big ad for the Nuggets, and that will help them out, um, especially with Barton like being dis- disappearing quite a bit in the playoffs. Uh, having a strong wing wing player is really crucial in the modern day NBA. Like you need modern, you need you need skilled wingers, you need a skilled shooting guard or a skilled small forward. That, that's the only way you can win championships. In, in the modern game, early two thousands, late nineties, two thousand ten, you could have a power forward that could help you win a title. Now it's changed back to small forwards and wings, like in the eighties. So Nuggets have that potential gem. They have great role players. I like a lot what I saw from them. They, I think they've proved to me, even though I'm irrelevant, re- that um, they are there for the big games. Unlike unlike the last couple of years, and and uh, Malone is a great coach, man. I really 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 cherish that man. <laughs> uh, but I'm happy Blazers won because I also had money on them to win the series, so that was great. Um, Lillard and CJ is great. I like Harkless, Cantor fasting. By the way, you don't you know the funny thing is he didn't need to fast for Game Seven because technically you don't need to fast if you're traveling. Okay, people who travel uh, in the cars. Okay. To a different city, they could just not fast. He's so devoted that he's like, I'm gonna fast anyways. And he has like a separated shoulder, mm-hmm. like Paul George, who I think Paul George is a champ too. Um, and he played so well, he's playing well this game too against uh, the Golden State Warriors because Warriors can't rebound for junk. Uh, yeah, so I mean, Blazers are fun to watch. I'm really happy. Last year they got swept, um, things were going nowhere for them. And they kept the same core, they kept the same coach, and they are back at it. Same thing for 76ers, man. You don't need to make changes. You don't need to get rid of Brett Bound. He's there since the process. He's been there for the terrible years. Maybe just keep him. Embiid, I do love your your, your passion that you cried, but, you know, you're going to get better and get healthier and play better. Simmons needs to get a jump shot again because that is terrible. But, I mean... I understand. Do, are, you, are, you, are you, like, annoyed that people are roasting Embiid for crying? 
Uh, I think they're only doing it just because of his personality, where he's quick to quick to kind of be a troll. So it, he's just opened the floodgates and uh, become a bigger target. So I, I think it boils down to people aren't. I think people are just making fun of him because he makes fun of other people and they just kind of want to dish out what he dishes out. Because obviously crying after a game isn't a big deal. It's just the emotions getting the best of you. It just shows he cares about the game, which of anything is a better personality or character trait that you want. But I can completely understand why some people are having fun with it because he is the biggest troll in the league right now. Dude in game five scored five out of nine baskets. Those five out of nine baskets he celebrated. <laughs> I think that's the yeah. reason why people are trashing him because he celebrated in game three thinking that he won the series, but he didn't. Yeah. It's, it's, he's just, he's become an easy target. So I think, uh, he's going to get that criticism, uh, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty easily. So it's okay to have fun, but like to, to troll your opposition, who's just as good as you after one blowout game, especially in game one where you got blown out, it's kind of like ridiculous. There's no need for doing that, but Embiid's gonna learn, man, eventually. And Simmons, for God's sake, how do you let Kawhi Leonard turn on you and then you walk? You can at least help trap him to Embiid. Like, what is Simmons thinking? He's just like, he's like, he doesn't care. He's just like walking. He literally walked towards Kawhi Leonard while he hit that shot. This team needs a lot of a lot of work, you know. Kawhi Leonard's a, 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 like a veteran. He's a proven winner. These guys need to win, like learn how to win. And Butler, by the way, let's go back to Raptors for a second. Butler was so so locked down by Kawhi that his game reduced so much in Game 7. I was worried about him the most, and Kawhi and Siakam's defense on, on Butler was amazing. They put length on Butler. And Kawhi is a shutdown master. I mean, he's like one of the best two-way players in the NBA. Made Butler look like a little man. He made Butler yeah. look like a little man. All series, he made <laughs> Butler look like a little man. And Butler's not a little guy, you know? Yeah, in in my opinion, the Sixers, above any other team that uh, has lost in the playoffs so far, has the most room for improvement without changing anything. Uh, just because they, they'll have more, the entire offseason to kind of gel together if they so choose to bring everybody back. But, uh, no, I completely agree with what you said. Uh, I talk about it before i'll talk about it again Kawhi is my favorite player (laughs) and he showed up heavy in this series both offensively and defensively simmons had a pretty bad series outside of game six and that's that's going to be a question you ask if if he can't transition his game to being able to develop a jump shot how how much can you take him because there's going to be games where he goes and kind of curls up into a ball and you, you can't have that in the playoffs so that's going to be a question that the Sixers have to figure out this offseason for sure. Dude needs to learn a jump shot. Um, he, he definitely does. He needs to stop being a post player at his point guard position. That makes no sense. It's like an oxymoron. <laughs> but, oh, well. Uh, speaking of something that uh, cannot be improved and has no offseason to improve itself, Game of Thrones Episode 5 was pure caca. Do you agree with me? Or is your optimism and your, like, EL... L-E-E, E-L-E garbage of everyone loves everyone, positivity crap that you always spew, which is also great, by the way. I'm just being sorry. I'm just being a dick for no reason. Um, allowing you to accept that this episode was mediocre. Or are you just going to agree with me that this episode and this season has been a dud? Um, and um, are you disappointed with the entire series now? And do you think that HBO... 
is in trouble with this whole franchise? I know that's a lot of questions, so we'll break it down <laughs> step by step, but okay, your thoughts on episode um, five. Yeah, to start it off, I was surprised after this episode ended uh, talking to m- some of my friends who have been as critical as yourself about the writing and the direction of this season because they liked this episode more than any other episode in this uh, season, and I came off the episode absolutely hating it. Uh, so, like, I was a lot more positive about the episodes, and they were completely hating them, and then I watched this episode, and I'm like, okay, this was absolutely garbage, and they're like, oh, no, this was the best episode of the season, so I'm like... All right, <laughs> whatever. But uh, so the biggest problem here is I think that the Mag Queen angle actually had a lot of potential if they have any sort of tact or any sort of development in it. Instead, they chose to rush this into basically four scenes uh, and developing her into the not just a Mag Queen, but literally as mad of a queen as you can possibly imagine, where she is killing as many uh, civilians as she can for literally no purpose. And uh, I just don't understand. I So the way they built it up, you can kind of understand her motivation, but the way that it was presented to us, it just isn't believable based on how little they spent developing that. Right. Like you can understand she feels alone in the world. She's the literally the only Targaryen. Everybody else has got family. She sees John, how much she trusts his siblings. That's why he revealed to them that he was actually Aegon Targaryen. Uh, she sees uh, Tyrion interacting with Jaime and still kind of uh, messing up everything. So she feels completely alone. Missandei dies, uh, who is her biggest confidant and potent- probably the closest thing she has to family if you don't include the dragons. Uh, Jorah's dead. So she's completely alone in the world. She doesn't have trust. She doesn't have family. So that all makes sense. But if they build that up and let that fester like over end of season seven or even before that and let it fester moment by moment, just don't have to like serve it to us on a platter, but give us something where we can actually have this conceivable moment of belief that when she decides to roast kids, women, men, Everybody in King's Landing that you're like, okay, this feels like it's a little bit not forced down my throat. That's that's my biggest thing is that just have any sort of tact when you do this because it's such a big moment. It's obviously uh, of the things we've seen in this show, which are pretty hard to quantify. This was almost as devastating an act as we've seen is her killing. It was hard to watch, dude. Yeah, it really was. And there's been moments that are hard to watch. The Red Wedding was super hard to watch. Yep. The Young getting tortured was super hard to watch. Um, the little girl getting burned alive by the Red Woman and Stannis was hard to watch. Yes. This was hard to watch because of its implications, but because of how forced it was too. It's just like, okay, I guess we're, I guess we're just doing this now. I, I guess she's the Mad Queen fully, even though they didn't spend any sort of time building it. Yeah. So, so that's Denny that's off. that's my biggest complaint. To start, so Denioff says that Daenerys mentions how she's gonna get the Iron Throne through fire and blood, and she mentions it, and somehow that's a clue for us to be smart enough to pick up on it. So he's pretty much calling us stupid whoever didn't pick up on it, which we all knew that. Listen, you're telling the greatest character who says that she wants the throne. She wants the throne. If anything, we learn from the show is the characters who want certain things don't end up getting those things. 
we saw the prophecy in the the house of the undying where the throne is pretty much broken the castle red keep is broken the throne's there it's no all around she's about to go sit on the seat and she walks away so we all know that she's there's that's a prophecy of her potentially not getting the iron throne she's gonna walk away from it either dying or just not wanting it so we know that we're not stupid but to tell us that we're dumb is so malice on their on their part because you know what else they talked about a lot was a fucking Azura High prophecy <laughs> and guess what it never happened so why are we gonna take anything you have to say to on on basis base word on 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 value you just thought of something last second. Let's just put her become Mad Queen. Let's not develop her. You had eight episodes. HBO offered you eight episodes in the final season. Maybe 88 minutes long each. And you said, no, 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 no. We're done with that. We want to do six episodes. We're going to rush this shit. And people are going to love it. They think we're going to like this shit. We didn't We didn't enjoy it. We, we would have liked Daenerys to go Mad Queen, sure. We probably would expect her to go Mad Queen. But the buildup is so poor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the problem is you don't judge a person on like offhanded comments they say like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna get the throne through blood and blood and violence." You you judge them on the sum of their actions. You know what else she said? You know what else she said? I'm gonna break the wheel. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna kill all the tyrants. You're worse than a tyrant. You're worse than mm-hmm. your father. He literally said, "Burn them all." It didn't happen, but you literally burned them all. How? By the way, how the hell? Is that fight in night night uh, in Winterfell where you all the Darthraki are dead, but somehow half of the Darthraki are alive? Somehow half the Unsullied are alive? Like, are they? They literally call us stupid for not picking this up, but they literally think we're dumb because we're not going to be able to pick up that half the armies are still alive somehow. Mm-hmm. Where were they in the Battle of the Winterfell? I don't know. Do they? They literally killed Rhaegal just for CGI purposes, so they don't need to pay for CGI. How? By the way, how do they kill Rhaegal like that in two seconds, but then Drogon and Daenerys are like a godlike figure at King's Landing, destroying every scorpion and destroying the entire Euron Iron Fleet? Exactly. Why waste our time? What is this it's just, dumb yeah. shit? Yeah, it's like you said, it's insulting. It's insulting to have an entire dragon die to one shot and then have her kill not only the entire Iron Fleet, but the entire Golden Company in the span of about 10 seconds. She comes from the sun and somehow they're all blinded. Okay, well, you tell me the Golden Company is cool and everything. They die in two seconds. Oh, that's pretty cool the way they died. But sure, like that's kind of a waste, okay? <laughs> Cersei literally was so irrelevant this entire season. She had like one episode. Okay, and then you make her feel sympathetic, and then you let her die in the hands of Jamie. So Jamie has no redeeming quality in the entire series now because he just goes back to the witch who's fucking ruined his life. And yeah, just, that's that's another like, every- massive problem I have yeah. because Jamie was a character, I think a character you could argue who had one of the most impressive, ri- written story arcs. Yeah, and then they just completely throw it away in two episodes for no reason. Let him leave Brienne. And die with Cersei. Not even kill Cersei to stop it. At least you could have made Cersei do like the wildfire. And kill people. Because mm-hmm. Kyburn would probably know these things. But no. Daenerys is a psychopath. Maybe maybe the wildfire would kill Daenerys. That would have been pretty cool. But no. It's such... You don't kill major characters in Winterfell. You let them die the next episode. And then what? You make those people godlike characters again? 
<clears throat> writing is so poor. There's been no character development the last two seasons. I've accepted that last season was was pretty good, but they had a couple of bad endings. Like, you know, like six guys going above the wall <laughs> to find one, like, knight. Like, one knight. Uh, white is, like, somehow a brilliant plan. Like, I don't know. But, like, I didn't, fa- I didn't shit on it because I'm very optimistic when it comes to TV shows. Mm-hmm. But this season has been such a dud. It's really pissed me off. I just want it to end tomorrow. I want it to end on Sunday. That's why I don't want to deal with it anymore. So can I ask you, are there any positive takeaways you felt? Okay, the, directly, directly it was amazing. Beautiful. I want to say one thing. That burning down King's Landing is exactly the way you get PTSD in matters of nuclear weapons. That dragon was shown as a nuclear weapon and the damage and chaos it could, it could occur on civilians and it was great that we got POV versions. It was great that we never saw Daenerys flying and burning things. We saw the chaos within the population, within the people. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. Mwah. Directly directing was amazing that episode. I cannot mm-hmm. fault it. Writing's the issue. Writing's always been the issue. And character development's always been the issue that we had this season. But uh, the directing is great. Um, her destroying shit was pretty cool too before she went crazy, crazy. But like her getting rid of like the golden company's ready to fight and they just turn around and they just say something explode behind them the wall explodes and they're all gonna die right away you're like oh that's pretty cool um yeah that's awesome um I guess when Daenerys kills Varys it's pretty cool too when Dragon Drogon comes from behind her that was pretty cool Varys dying was pretty stupid but um, <laughs> he became Ned Stark well, yeah. all of a sudden. <laughs> like, he's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Varys was uh, one of the biggest casualties of the writing the last three seasons. He basically became useless. Tyrion, Varys. Mm-hmm. Okay? Tyrion and Varys have become utterly useless. Ever since George R. R. Martin stopped writing the books, they don't know what to do with those people. I don't know. That, that's, my, that's my only positive. That was cool. Um... Game Ball was weird. I didn't really enjoy it. It mm-hmm. just seemed too like, like godlike, like uh, like a CGI clash of gods or whatever. What's that? What's that old movie that they redid again? The clash. Which of, one? Like with um, it's a Greek mythology. Oh, the uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, forget the title. Okay, yeah, whatever. It's like it seems something stupid like that, like. Okay, Hound killed him in the fire where he got burnt. Cool. Hound mm-hmm. Hound saying, oh, one thing I loved when Hound's, Hound's like, goes to Arya, like, you don't need to come. Don't be like me. I'm a vengeful asshole. You need to become like me. And she says, thank you. And then in the end, she's like, uh, thank you, Slandor Clegane. And she doesn't call him the Hound. She calls him Slandor, which was mm-hmm. like touching. Like It was beautiful. Yes. I also like Varys trying to poison Daenerys, but Daenerys wouldn't eat her food. You see Varys like, trying to put some little action into into play but it wasn't really working out it's like those kind of things are pretty cool uh other than that like i just can't stand like Varys is talking to john as soon as john lands onto the beach like you want to be bait <laughs> like hi i'm gonna talk to john and like try to dethrone daenerys like how is he unsullied able to figure out um Varys's plot like <laughs> plot <laughs> to, to, to dethrone daenerys like he's so smart and somehow the unsullied found out uh one last thing i loved about it was um when J- when when Tyrion tried to talk to the Unsullied in their like native tongue, and like we could talk like English as well, <laughs> and that scene with Jamie yeah. was really touching towards the end. In the beginning it was yeah. it was garbage, but then mm-hmm. they turned around and made it something special. So uh, Arya and Sandor was awesome, Jamie and Tyrion was awesome. The directing, 
uh, shots and the uh, special effects at King's Landing and the pure chaos was cool um, but Daenerys doing it was useless um, Cersei not dying in a satisfying way was useless Kyburn getting killed by uh, uh, the, the mountain was pretty cool getting killed by the thing he created yeah, that, was, that was super cool um, to me the fight between Hound and the mountain was okay. Uh, it was cool game ball, so I'm pretty happy with that. So that's a positive. That's what we wanted. We got that at least. Thank God for that. Um, what was annoying was watching Arya go through all that because we know Arya's not going to die. How many times do you have to show the POV version of a person uh, in desperate need to survive, but nothing ever happens to them? At least if they died a couple times, then you'd be like, okay, maybe this POV uh, is important. Yeah, you got the white horse, which is a symbolization of death, but Arya's going to still be like alive does she mean she kills Daenerys does that mean she kills Daenerys and the Night King I don't know man uh like I get I don't know I don't know I don't my know. uh one of my friends has a theory that she's going to kill Danny, take her face and then give power over to John, announcing that he's Aegon Targaryen and that'll be the end of it okay that's not bad I guess I, I don't. I, I, the, people, well, why, the weird why, thing why is, is like, one of the last question. Can I ask one of the last question? Why are betting sites putting Brand number one to be the king of the the uh, the king of the Iron Throne, the king of the Seven Kingdoms? It, for for real, he's number one. He's right number now. one. I, I'm, I, maybe he might become king, and if he becomes king, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give up on Game of Thrones. I just want, I'm waiting <laughs> for the books. But yeah, go ahead. Um, well, the weird thing is like, I don't know if it's weird or not, but it's kind of what you'd want, even though it's. The path we've gotten to has been so trash, but I think it's pretty hard to predict what's going to happen, which if you've got one episode left in the entire series and the entire show, uh, that's ideally what you'd want. You don't know what's, who's going to end up on the Iron Throne. Uh, so for all of the problems and all of the bad stuff that's happened to get us there, at least we have that saving grace of going into the final episode with at least some sort of intrigue and mystery around who's going to end up on the Iron Throne. Uh, that's like literally the only saving grace that left me excited. I've been so sour on this past episode. I've been trying to stay positive. You've, you've heard me on the past podcast trying to play devil's advocate, but uh, it did a number on me. Episode five, it really did. So unless they pull out some, I don't even, I won't even say unless they pull out something because it's, I think it's, this has been a pretty damaging season. I'll go back to your first question. It hasn't ruined the series for me. Um, it's just been a disappointing close. Like it hasn't been as bad as Dexter last oh, season. Oh, dude, I you know what? I I was a big Dexter fan. I didn't watch the final season. <laughs> dude, I I still haven't finished. I watched I think like probably three quarters of it, but I couldn't finish it. Uh, man, that was such a good show in its heyday. Yeah. So that yeah, this Game of Thrones isn't on Dexter level to me, but it's. This is this. I don't know how much of the final season I'll rewatch if I go back and rewatch this show. I'll just watch episode two and that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah, is HBO in trouble? Are they in trouble? I don't think so. I think they're going to keep on. I mean, one thing that I've been surprised about by this season is just the scale of how many people are watching it. Like, so I don't use social media that much, but I still have a Twitter and Instagram. My entire Twitter feed tweets out like the minute game of thrones is over or they live tweet it yeah like everybody and their uncle it's beginning spoiled on all sports media just like everybody's watching it so they've got they've got a ton of money to go after if they want to do these prequels if they want to expand on the universe so 
I don't think they're in trouble. Um, I think I think Star Wars, the new Star Wars, is in more trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just based on the writing. I keep I saw today. I saw today they were com- are absolutely confirmed for the the newest one, which I don't care about at all because I don't watch Star Wars, but. No, because all the all the Star Wars fans I know that don't watch Game of Thrones are like laughing at me, and I'm like, you know, your your franchise is in trouble, right? And the responses to me to me is that hey, they didn't create Jar Jar Binks. My <laughs> response to them is they could potentially create something worse than Jar Jar Binks, and that could be the point of how we measure how bad a character truly is or how awful a character truly is. Uh, I mean, that's the measuring stick right there. Double Ds can ruin things. I think Double Ds really just got annoyed by the project. They don't want to do Game of Thrones anymore. That's what I think. And they thought they're smart. They thought they're clever. You listen to the behind-the-scene episodes. They think they're smart about it. I mean, logic is completely thrown out the window. Time travel is un- incredible, man. Oh, my God, they get by so everywhere so fast. And... uh Lack of character development is the big issue. If they really didn't want to do it anymore, maybe they could have let somebody else direct it. Maybe go another season, create that development, create that Mad Queen Daenerys that we that we could maybe um, accept better because it's written better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel bad for all those people who named their daughter Khaleesi or Daenerys. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I think I think of all things that uh, the writing this season has been done the biggest disservice to is uh the actors and actresses who have spent a good part of a decade now on this show i mean i'm, I'm really thankful that for this show it's given us a lot of young talent i think both like sophie turner especially she's uh pretty excited to see her in the new x-men she seems like a really cool person in general just like she's a as great a, as a she's a great actress but a terrible character yes she and she had potential to be well. She she went from a character that you hated, from a character that you sympathized with, to then a character that you hated for no other reason that she like her actions didn't make sense, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty unfortunate. And it kind of Danny the same way. It's it's uh, so it's it's, un, it's unfortunate to have such an a long standing show where characters and actors have put put their whole into it, and it just. You don't don't feel so good about it when it comes to the end product. I guess we maybe we're speaking too soon. There's one episode left, but it's it's kind of gut wrenching to see that go down that way. It's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I just miss Breaking Bad. <laughs> that ending was great. That's building up character development throughout the entire series season, and then you get that epic ending. Which yeah, I don't. I don't. I have a hard time picturing any show ever ending as good as Breaking Bad ended. That entire last season, every single moment of every single episode felt like it mattered. Yeah. It really did. You even felt sympathetic to Skylar, and Skylar is considered the worst woman character in the show. And it's not like, you know, the people who shit on Skylar are, are hypocrites because they everything she's done, Walter has done the same thing, and then we all love mm-hmm. Walter for it. It's just because she's she's the kind of person I know it all kind of person. I told you so, and that's the problem that people hate about her. But she like the way she saw money and she changed her attitudes the same way Walter saw money when he's watching the Narc bust by Hank. And uh, we we appreciate Walter for who he is, but we hate Skyler for the the way she is. I mean, kind of funny, mm-hmm. right? Vince, oh, that's yeah. how smart Vince Gilligan is that he could he could he could play with us on these matters, you know, these issues. He mind asks us, unlike Double D's. 
Add <laughs> <laughs> this now. Next year we'll watch the the long night. I think we'll still. I think we should cover it every episode because I think the way we do it is kind of like just like whatever. We just do it as non-experts on these issues. I like that. You know, we just really speak our minds about it. But I, I I'm really, I'm really hopeful for new a, a new series starting from scratch because at least you get character development. Something has been lacking for two seasons. Well, yeah, I mean, the one thing you'll always be able to say about Game of Thrones is that George R. R. Martin did such an incredible, incredible job creating this fun universe, and there's so much you can do with this universe still. Yeah, uh, it's all that's obviously the toughest part about building this these fantasy stories is creating an expansive universe that allows a lot of wiggle room for either prequels, sequels, anything down the road, just to really dive into that. I mean, they could just they could do whatever they wanted and have it fit that same world and. Make it a lot of fun. Not 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 the current writers, but uh, somebody <laughs> somebody can make that adaptation work. And the other great, the other positive thing is that uh, George R. R. Martin will finish his books, and that will be anticipated. Is he though, or is he? He's seventy now. No, what I'm saying like if he does, let's just say he does finish some. Uh, people will be more excited about the books than they were about the show because at least he could fix the problems that the show had in his books. I think he says he's working on it. I don't know. He needs to it's get been, on it's it. Been, I think I think it's been nine years it's since his last It's been too release. long, man. Just get on with it, dude. Like We want the book. <laughs> Just give it to us. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new book reader, and I'm already annoyed. Like, Why did you make that whole history <laughs> of Targaryens? Who cares? It's not the story we care about. I don't... Well, when he, uh, when he talks specifically about his writing process, he... He, he puts a lot of pressure on himself to only write when he's like truly inspired and he doesn't want to spend time writing things that he doesn't feel like will make the cut, which is different from a lot of other writers. I mean, some people really prefer just writing every single day, even if you know you're going to throw it out because that's the way they kind of build on ideas and weed out what's good and what's bad. So I think he, uh, he's got a pretty intense form of writer's block in which case or in which he needs to feel like everything he's writing truly matters towards the story. So that's that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself, especially now that uh, your series has kind of been adapted and finished now. That because uh, he he clearly provided some of the framework, especially in like seasons five, six, and seven and eight. But I don't know. It's uh, it's getting seeming like it's getting less and less likely that he's going to finish this series, which is a pretty pretty darn sad thought. You know what George R. R. Martin needs to do? He needs to get Stephen King come and slap him in the face and say, I'm going to do exactly I do my books and make a horror story situation out of this if you don't start writing. Because Stephen, <laughs> I mean, Stephen King like writes like novels on a consistent basis. Say what you oh, want yeah, about can... his product, but like he still does work. And George R. R. Martin's like, eh. I don't know. Man. I, I, oh, by the way, I want to say one last thing I liked about this episode. Cersei gets fucked over again by her stupidity, which is pretty cool because she does it with the faith of the seven. She has outplayed, and then she thinks she has Daenerys, but she gets outmaneuvered by Daenerys. Like Cersei died. I mean, the maybe the great saving grace could be Cersei died in her own hands, by her own game, by her own ego. And uh, Wait, Tyrion is still probably this- like, "Oh, you got your baby. You still have good in you." <laughs> No, Tyrion. I killed you. Remember? When a, a scene that I felt like was really trying to exemplify the 
silliness of playing the Game of Thrones, and especially from like Cersei, who's she's 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 fueled by vengeance. She's not super tact uh, tactically smart. She's not. She's not like Tywin. She's not like anybody before her. So she was fueled by vengeance. And you could see that when uh, Danny starts to take over and she goes, well, the Iron Fleet still has Blackwater Bay. And then Quiburn's like, uh, <laughs> their ships are all burnt. And then she says, well, we still have the, uh, the, the launchers. And then he goes, uh, they're all burned. And then she just slowly realizes like, well, I guess everything that I tried to do is lost in literally two minutes. That's because she's doo-doo. It's because the show is doo-doo and they ruined her character. I blame the double Ds for everything. I'm that drunk un- uncle at Thanksgiving who's going to complain about everything right now. Shame. Shame. Did you see the memes like somebody should have a bell and yell shame behind uh, double Ds? <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that. Or but, uh... if Tywin was still alive, uh, Cersei, you're going to have to marry the Night King. <laughs> We need peace in the realm. Oh. That's fire, actually. <laughs> oh, the, oh, man. I'm going to end it there. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Uh, we're going to still uh, spit some out later on. Uh, round three is up. And um, if Kawhi Leonard and Giannis can um, salvage my heart from what Game of Thrones is doing to me, I'll be a very happy person. Um, that being said, there is a movie that's coming out that will cleanse my palate throughout this awfulness that Game of Thrones has thrown my way, which is John Wick 3. Now, I'm too excited <laughs> for John Wick 3. Like, I'm going nuts. There's only two franchises after the Avengers that I really care about. It's the Raid franchise and John Wick franchise. Just And the ratings are great. The reviews are amazing. And I'm just ecstatic. Just, it's going to be great. I might cry because <laughs> all of my anger about Game of Thrones might be diffused by John Wick and Kawhi Leonard. So <laughs> God praise them both, and God. And praise... uh, do you know the Do you know the date that comes out? Seventeenth. Seventeenth. Oh, three days away. Okay. Keanu, did you hear? Did you hear what he <laughs> said to, uh, at Stephen Colbert when Stephen Colbert said, "Like, um, do you know what happens to you when you die?" And he says, "Well, the people who are alive will will miss you the most." Was, Keanu, we don't. The world doesn't deserve Keanu Reeves. The world really, doesn't, we really don't. doesn't deserve him. Like he's such a great person. He is. He's eternal. Keanu Reeves. Like he's finally reshaped his career again, which is so great. I love John Wick. They're making a they're making a series on TV, right? Called The Continental. I think it's. Uh, I think it's going to be run by Bravo or Stars. Which, uh, if anything is like, if it's anything like John Wick, then we might have a new uh, good show coming up. Are you gonna watch Chernobyl? Okay. Uh, I need to. Uh, all of my friends have recommended it, saying it's uh, pretty harrowing, pretty pretty well done. So I'm gonna watch it too. I have to watch Veep again, the final season. Maybe that's the series series finale HBO deserved to push out <laughs> that we should have focused on instead of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Veep. <laughs> Veep's a great show. Do you like Veep? I've never seen it, so couldn't tell you. Well, man, you got to get on it. It's really good. I have a hard time committing to serious TV shows. It's so. a comedy, bro. Oh, okay. I was I wouldn't have pictured HBO. It's, doing it's it. Elaine from Seinfeld. 
Oh, really? Huh. She's hilarious. What's her name? Louise Drivis? Yeah, Louis. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. she's hilarious. You got to watch it, man. It's not as good as Sunny, but it's good. Like it gets all the awards, obviously, but it's good. You watch Silicon Valley, right? Yes. I would put it as high as Silicon Valley. I'm, I know. Is it that? Is it like that kind of humor? It's a little bit more Valley? like raw and like swearing, but like it's hilarious. Okay. It's just a great show. All right, we're gonna end it there. I uh, will give some recommendations after Game of Thrones. Um, enjoy life, guys. I know Game of Thrones is just a TV show. Um, don't get too sour, even though I am very sour. If you follow my Facebook page or you follow me on Facebook or, or Twitter, I, t- I tend to bash it a lot right now. I'm not a vengeful person. I'm sorry if I come out that way, but uh, I'm really invested into the show. I pay HBO money so I don't illegally live stream it. I'm giving them my money, for God's sakes. Out even beyond Game of Thrones series, like throughout the year, I just give them money, and they're and they're not them, but people who they've hired are really shitting on my hopes right now. <laughs> so let's just hope uh, last episode's good enough that will uh, uh, get us through um, next year, where the Long Night series will start or the Age of Heroes series will start, and uh, maybe we could uh, enjoy reviewing those episodes. All right, good night, guys. E-L-E.